Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I am the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper, and with me, as always, is the beat writer and the heart of Giants Nation, Chris Bizignano. And we have a very special guest with us, someone who has been quote-tweeted from everybody from Michael Kay to Jordan Sparks. And if I were him uh, with with my kids, I'd be bragging about that one. None other than Big Blue VCR joins us. What's up, buddy? Hey Jerry, nice to be here. Very excited. That's I, I had forgotten about the the Jordan Spark stuff, yeah, but yes, well, that well, is well, that is true. Well, let me let me jump in here a second. I didn't notice you talk about Felipe's daughter, the singer, Jerry. Yep. I, yeah. So what? He, 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 what did he Jordan Spark say? What what was what happened? What was the tweet? There's a few of them actually. Like in whenever I whenever I would dig up a Felipe Sparks highlight, um, okay. I would just tag Jordan. Sparks on it and oh, okay, okay. a few and, and a few times she would respond and be like that's my dad and stuff like that and uh oh, you know and, and like it's his birthday so one day it sort of floored me and i realized like that she started following me because I'm, I'm like wait what and i was like because sometimes you see the list of people who follow you and then they're there sure enough there's jordan sparks so uh yeah anytime i post anything about Felipe sparks she usually responds well i i, I, I missed yeah. a bunch who else has has quote tweeted you bud i mean there's a lot of them Oh, uh, there's a bunch. I mean, uh, you know, Tiki Barber has done it. Uh, Mark Collins has done it mm-hmm. even today. Uh, so I posted something about, about Mark yeah. Collins today. Um, Antonio Pierce has, Bart Oates has, Leonard Marshall, nice. uh, Brandon Jacobs. So yeah, like pretty much, you know, Carl Banks, you know, several times. So yeah, like I, I've, I've been, you know, fortunate enough I'll put something in there and they will quote, te- quote tweet it and, you know, give some of their thoughts on whatever it is that I just posted. Well, Matt, I, I tell you what, man. Um, you have drawn a lot of interest around the Giants building. Um, a lot of people refer to you. They're like, oh, you remember that pack? You got to check out this big blue VCR thing. So you've made quite a name for yourself, my man. Um, so I got, I got to ask you a few things. What made you get into that? When did you start thinking about, you know, this VCR stuff, putting it on Twitter? And how the hell do you find all these damn clips? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I guess it really goes back to the whole the whole VCR thing, which really you know Jerry and I are, are I think basically the exact same age, really right on there, you know you know uh, forty seven, and I'm forty six, um, but yeah, forty six. No. Okay, so I, I I got you by a little <laughs> now, bit. Now I keep now it's like no, nah, dude, I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just turned. So um, when you go back to the eighties, and you know when the, when the Giants were you know really starting to turn the corner around eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. I was, you know, 10, 11 years old. And when you would have a Monday night football game, they're starting at 9 p.m. So, you know, my, my parents wouldn't let me stay up to watch it. Those games didn't end until near midnight. So almost as like, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And it wasn't really an invention. That's what the VCR is for. I would record the games and then go back and watch it the next day. So mm-hmm. I started taping the, the Monday night games. So that way I could go back and see what I missed. Um, you know, win, lose, whatever. I, I'd want to just go see what it was because I wanted to just kind of get it for myself. As time moves along in going into the 80s, I just started taping all the games. Now, I would tape over the losses. I wouldn't keep the losses. Um, and that's why if you sometimes look at the videos I have, you'll see like that that uh, that VCR snow and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and static. Yeah. That's That's <laughs> legit because it's probably because there was a few games they lost before and I just taped over it. Um, so I had, I had this group of, you know, VCR tapes from the, you know, from the, the eighties and nineties, I went up to co- to college and I know Chris, you're not gonna like this. I went up to Boston college. 
Um, I'm and, not gonna like this. Well, the BC Notre Dame. It was, oh, 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 okay, okay. Yeah, well, we kick the crap out of them all yeah. the time. <laughs> um, when I went up to when I went up to BC, uh, I wanted to still watch the games because back then, in the you know like early '90s, early mid '90s, I was mm-hmm. up there with Coughlin when he was there. Mm. Um, I couldn't watch the games, you know, like you know they they were you know you got the the Boston feed, the Patriot games. Although, yeah. granted, when I was first up there, the Patriots were bad; they weren't on TV that often. Um, so I had my parents send me the tapes up to Boston, and I would watch them, you know, like during the week after that, and. You know, so that kind of went through and collected, you know, through the 90s. Did you watch into... Did you watch the losses too, I have to ask? I did because I was that, that much of a psycho because no, I wanted right. to, yeah, because I, I, I wanted to just see it and, and understand like what happened. And especially, you know, when you start talking about after 93, the 94, 95, mm. 96, when I was up there, mm. you know, they were losing a lot of games. Yeah. And, you know, I would go back and I, and I would sort of follow along, you know, in the on the early, early part of what the internet was back then. So I wanted to go back and see for myself what happened in those games. So yeah, I, I would I would go back and, and watch the losses, and then I just like kind of chuck the tape into a uh, you know a, a, a you know a closet or whatever and just leave them there. And over the years, they just sat in this closet in, in my house. And sometime around 2011, which is when the uh, uh, the lockout happened, if you remember, for the NFL mm-hmm. players, they locked them out. There was really no football news and. I'd said, hey, you know, I would love to do. I'd love to go back and just find those old tapes. And I spent pretty much an entire off season in 2011 converting the VCR tapes into a digital format, so that way I had them available and stuck them on a hard drive. And I went back and started watching it. Um, so one of the things that I did from there was, uh, you know, I had all this content, all this stuff, and I was like, oh, you know, beyond me enjoying it, I wish there's something more I could do with it. So I started up a blog actually. And that's when I came up with the big blue VCR name. I like, like, I I would like to say like, it took a lot of thought. It didn't. I was like, okay, you know, big blue giants. This is a VCR done. Like, you know, that's kind (laughs) of how that's how it it happened. Um, And I post on the, uh, uh, the big blue interactive site, you know, Eric Kennedy, who I know for many years. And I wrote to Eric and I said, Hey, what do you think if I went and I did like some deep dives and some old giant games and, and, you know, took out some clips from those games and sort of talk through what, you know, what happened, do a little bit more of a historical analysis and, and, and say that, you know, Oh, in this game, the giants had, you know, X number of sacks or, you know, scored this number of touchdowns or threw for this many yards and then compared it to other games before. And then even since then Mm. to give a better sense for like, you know, like, you know, what these, what these games were meant. And I started posting these highlights on you know, the the Big Blue and Active site, and the the fans on the on the site, you know, they, they liked it. Um, mm. You know, it was more like I said, it was just more like a passion project type thing. What really kind of flipped the switch, I guess, to you know, Chris, you're asking like, you know, the people in the building are talking about this Big Blue VCR thing. Um, when the pandemic hit, I was home, like all the rest of us, like you know, working from home, yeah. and now suddenly I had access all the time to these hard drives with all these giant games on it and there was nothing else really sort of going on there was nothing in the sports world going on there was really not a lot of you know not a lot of new anything sports wise so i just decided even you know apart from my own sanity just to do something like i'll just start putting these clips out there and Mm -hmm. and just kind of highlighting stuff 
<laughs> and it really kind of took off from that point. And I started getting feedback from fans and players and all this other stuff, like, you know, interacting with what I was posting. So it really kind of has kind of fed on itself from there where I'll just, you know, I'll either look something up or I'll see it's some certain player's birthday, whatever it is, and I'll post highlights of them. And I opened it up for like the different fans to be like, hey, anybody want to see something? And if I have it, I'll go ahead and show it. You know, I have yeah. 700 games and yeah. that's yeah. kind of how it worked. Yeah, that's it's incredible. Um, that's good. The 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 following and not Twitter numbers, but like just the people who respond to it and the the passion of the Giants fan, I guess. Where the hell did you start getting stuff that you didn't record? Right. Like there's no way you recorded from the seventies and it, like you have stuff from 1980, right? You, I think you posted something recently, Harry Carson hitting uh, somebody on the goal line, causing a fumble today. Yeah. Like, where did you get all that? Yeah. What, what happened was it's funny. Um, when I first posted the blog, like there, there's, there's this world of, of old NFL fans who are collectors of games and whether or not it's the giants or any other team, in the NFL, and they're sort of like these, like, you know, almost like tape traders that are out there. Once I started doing the blog and writing stuff, people started reaching out to me. And then they'd be like, you know, hey, you know, do you have XYZ game? I saw you posted it. I would love that. And I'll trade you that game. And then all of a sudden, just started trading. There's the guy who, since moved to Florida, he had a whole library of Giant games. He saw what I was doing. And he said, hey, do you want, like, my entire, like, 1986 season? And I have my own tapes, but like some of the quality wasn't as great. So he just basically sent and, you know, over the course of 10 years, a combination of either just trading, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, tapes with other collectors going on to, you know, YouTube every now and then you'll see some of these old games. Um, now there is, you know, uh, you know, some uh, NFL copyright questions that come up every now and then that the NFL will strike things down. You know, if I see a game that shows up on YouTube, I'll grab it and download it. So it really took 10 years to go from my original tapes that I had that I found over the loss. So I had about 50 or something games. Now I have <laughs> 700. So, yeah, that, that's that, that's that's kind of how it, how it all happened. Matt, um, well, give us a little background. What, are you from Jersey? Um, when did you start taking up the Giants? Are you season ticket holder and all that? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I am from, uh, Northern New Jersey out over here, Bergen County. Um, been there pretty much my whole life, except for the four years up in Boston. Um, tickets have been, it's, it's the type of thing where it's a, uh, I come from a Giants fan family. Um, okay. giant tickets have been in my family since Yankee stadium. Wow. Um, okay. I split, I split the tickets with, uh, I, um, my cousin and I split tickets right now. Um, one of the things that, you know, uh, I personally started, well, the first game I ever went to, I remember was the Giants Broncos in 1980, where I went with a friend, of, uh, a friend of mine, uh, took me to the game. The had a, had a punt return named Rick Upchurch, who was sure. pretty good. He was and a good receiver I, too. He was a good receiver. Yeah. I was like six years old. And I thought the, I <laughs> thought that Bob Shepard kept saying up, up Chuck. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever. So that's how I remembered. <laughs> that's how I remembered that game. But Beyond that, I started going to games in 87, and my cousins sat through the bad times. I know, Chris, like you've told some of the stories I've heard on the podcast where you'd be like, you know, you saw some garbage. Like, my, my cousins were out there at the very beginning. Like, they were there for, the, you know, uh, the fumble with Herm Edwards. Like, you know, they, they saw the bad stuff. So I wanted to go to the games in 86, 
I was 12 years old and my cousins were like, no, like we suffered, like, you know, you know, you, like you, you haven't earned your stripes yet. So they, ah, they went to all those games. They went you're, not to those jumping, games. you're not jumping on this championship team, buddy. Exactly. They're like, 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 no, 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 no. We, we, we paid our dues. So I understood that. I was like, oh, great. That's fine. I watched it all on TV. I started going in 87. Um, you know, since then, you know, I, I, I go, you know, pretty much to six, six, seven games a year. My cousin will go to the other ones. Right. Um, and you, you know, it's, it's the type of thing that, you know, uh, where I grew up, um, it was actually, um, in Oradell, New Jersey, which is where the, which is where, uh, uh, Bill Parcells is from. Bill Parcells went to my high school, right. Riverdale high school. Right. So I lived in and around a lot of, you know, giants country, uh, Parcells brother, Doug Parcells was the head of Oradell recreation when I was a kid, you know, in the camp. So everywhere you turn, it was, it was giants. And growing up at that, at that time with, you know, that group of people in and around Bergen County with, you know, the Parcells influence, um, and the giants being really good. It basically you became, you know, it, it was a natural that, 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 uh, the giants were the team. Not to, you know, again, it was in my family. I didn't have a choice. So I was, I was going to be a giant fan regardless. Uh, so really that, that's, that, that's kind of how it got started. I got to ask you, you obviously passionate giants fan and, and, it's funny, man. Buddies of mine will text me. That dude's doing God's work, especially during the pandemic. Like you were putting stuff out there when there was nothing else. And other than uh, pain week, which I understand why you did it. Um, everything you put out is just, it was like, uh, this guy's the best. Um, so what other, uh, what other teams do you like in other sports? How does it fall for you? You're a big Giants fan. I'm just curious. Giants. I am a Yankee fan. Um, oh. you know, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, I, I know you the, the four the, years in Boston college didn't flip you to the Red Sox. <laughs> huh? I was up there when they were both bad. And I remember my, my, my favorite story I have from up there is, is I went to a Red Sox, uh, Yankee game in, in like 92. Hmm. And there are two things happened. I think I remember Mel Hall and the Yankees. Remember hmm. like he used to, he used to tuck like his, uh, what his batting gloves in his, his back yeah. pocket. So when he'd run yeah. on the bases, they wave goodbye, whatever. He hit a home run, and me and a couple of like you know guys who are from New York, New Jersey, start singing the the Yankee theme song. Oh, bad move! And and, and and we're in center field at Fenway, bad move. and all of a sudden, wait, what Yankee the, theme song? New York, New York, or well, no, no, I'm not saying that. You know, the, like, the, da, 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 the, da, Yankees, the Channel Eleven theme. Da, da, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, Channel Eleven okay, theme. Right. Yep, so yep, stupid yep. Yankee song yeah. fans make up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, a flurry of obscenities I hear behind me, and this <laughs> thing flies over my head. And it, it, was, me, Matt. Yeah, it, you know, it was a it was a Red Sox hat flew over my head, and we turn around, we see this like huge guy just like screaming at us, like Yankee fans. And there was like this older woman sitting in front of us, and she's got like that strong Boston accent. And she's like, you know, I think you guys better move to like a different section, you know. So we're like, okay, so yeah. we move over. Um, <laughs> and at the time, like you know, the green there were the seats were not on top of the Green Monster, and the yeah. security guards at Fenway were you know easily like they look like they're three days older than water so you know we're in college kids and we went and just started picking paint off the green monster and oh. brought it back with us so we got oh. some paint from the green monster when we were there uh yeah. sitting over I mean, at, it's at, history uh, it's like the cathedral it's like going to the sistine chapel right and <laughs> i didn't know how you would take that chris i thought we were gonna hang <laughs> up now. you know every yankee fan deep down aside is really a red sox fan as you can tell like, <laughs> he wants to bring family back home with him you know <laughs> you have to understand something that before 2004 there's a lot of frustration in Fenway yeah. Park uh so the last thing anybody wanted to see was Yankee fans with hats on and oh yeah it used, yeah, to, that... get, it used to get vicious back in the day um 
you know, a Yankee, if a Yankee fan with the hat on, usually it turned into fights, but that's all gone with now since we kicked the crap out of every year <laughs> since 2004, you know. So, um, but Matt, um, Giant Stadium, um, tell us your favorite moment in Giant Stadium. The favorite moment, well, I was, it's, it's bittersweet. My favorite moment, I was there for the 41 nothing. Mm. down of the Vikings. Right. And, we were on that one, yeah. yeah, and and that thing, I mean, like you saw it and I and I and I've posted highlights, everyone kind of remembers it. Like that that was just as a giant fan and going back and you know, to, you know, I won't get into pain week. We talk about that maybe a little later, but when you see like how many games the Giants have blown when they are up like, you know, 17 nothing, 20 nothing, 21 nothing. Like as a giant fan, you never feel safe. You're like, you know, oh my that one game, I'm going to it where I'm like, oh my god, the Giants are just going to kill these guys, and and it's not stopping, and it just it just wasn't, and you can see yeah. that the Vikings just couldn't handle what was going on, and you know from Hilliard down right to the fumbled kickoff, right to the touchdown to Camella, it was just a, it was it just snowballed, and I remember you know like watching you know staying there at the game afterwards, watching them put the the podium out on the field. And and uh, Wellington Mara talking about you know the field of painted mud and we're the we're the worst team ever to go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know like that was my favorite moment just because you're we're going to the Super Bowl you know of course right. the you know the Ravens it, it are all erased two weeks later. Um, other than that, I would say like one of my favorite sort of like even random games was 1990 against the Redskins where the Giants mm-hmm. were six and zero they had already beaten the Redskins. And the everyone knew the Giants win that game, they're going to win the NFC East. Yeah, because they were going to take like some like three or four game lead on the Redskins seven games in. Like, yeah, the Eagles had struggled early that year too. Yeah, yeah, e- yeah. Eagles started out like yeah, they started like one and three. They started slow. The Giants already beat them, and going they went and jumped on top of the uh, Redskins early. The refs, as usual, missed the call that would have benefited the Giants when LT did a fake field goal. We ran out to the side, and I think it was Alvoid Mays, like, mugged him in the end zone, and they didn't throw a flag. And then all of a sudden, the Redskins come back. And where my seats are, my seats are lower-level end zone. So I always describe that if you're watching a game from, like, left to right, my end zone is the right-hand side, which was the infamous side in the old stadium with the wind that, like, I never saw any scoring. Once you hit November, like, nobody scored in my end zone because it was the, the wind was blown the, the other wind. way. Yeah. yeah, the wind was blown the other way. Um <laughs> The Redskins are driving down to take the lead in that game, and right in front of me is when Greg Jackson picked off a pass that hit Ernest Biner like right on his shoulder. Pad. It was in the end zone, right? In the end zone. So yeah. right in front of me. So I I saw that happen right in front of me, and then a few plays later, Everson Walsh picks off a pass, runs it in for a touchdown. Like that was the moment in 1990 where I'm like, these guys are going to win the Super Bowl. Like you know that that, that you know kind of felt that. Um, one other game I could say is, is also in front of me was the tumor catch from, um, well, actually both tumor catches against the, against the Broncos. So it's the same end zone yeah. where mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, the, the Kent Graham one that, that ruined the perfect season mm. that was right in front of me. And then the second one, when he, when he caught the touchdown from Eli also right in front of me, that end zone. So I have like, you know, had a, like a good view from there, but for me, like those were kind of like my, my, my favorite games that I saw. I just wish the Giants had just won that Super Bowl, then that 41, nothing would have meant a lot more. Yeah, you brought up Wellington Mara. Like I remember being at that at that game, thinking, "Wow, Wellington Mara speaking to the crowd. I've never seen this before." Like addressing the crowd, right? Like 
that's something when when you see Amara do that. Like that's why I, I mentioned on the last one, and you of course put it out there when John Mara addressed Giant fans after. Is there a, is there a game in in the like within the last I don't know we'll call it the modern era, Matt, that you don't have that you if someone requested it tomorrow because every you you're good enough to put it out there and say hey guys I'm taking requests like a like, like you're a DJ <laughs> yeah and you know you put out these clips is there a game you don't have? There's a lot believe like there's this weird period in the in the early mid two thousands when VCR started coming out and dvr started going in okay and like you know tivo and stuff like that so i'm actually you know i i've been able to sort of beef up the collection a little more but i'm missing a lot of games from you know like uh you know there's not many people want to see in 2004 they had that you know once you know eli lost his first like what like six or seven games before they yeah. finally won sure. um but you know there's a lot of games from like you know the 2005 2006 seasons that i don't have you know a lot of those games because that was that weird period that you're actually tougher to find because people were yeah. transitioning to DVRs. People were not like figuring out a way to record them off of that just yet. So um, I would say, you know, like there, there's just, there's just some of those games in there that, you know, if I'm hunting around and I happen to find one on YouTube, I'll grab it um, because you know, they're, they're, they're hard to find. So I'd say like they're, the games in that, in that period is where I um, is where I'm kind of missing a few. Yeah. Matt. Before my next question, uh, if you could find a Carl Banks interception, mm-hmm. one of his good ones. I mean, I just got a uh, – he just asked me to – if you could find one of his interceptions in the future, which I replied, did you even have any? You barely did anything out there anyway, you know. But um, <laughs> if you could do that, I think he's got a pick six against somebody. You might have showed it before, but if you remember, throw it up there in the near future, Matt. You know, you know, he, he tries to act like he was a good football player and kind of <laughs> – Try to yeah, remind Giant fans he actually did something once in a while out there, you know. Um, Matt, all right, I gotta get into this. First of all, the players, as you know, you you you've you've become very popular with the ex players, you know, with all this footage you show, and these guys love it. These guys love it, dude. You see them responding to you, you see them, you know. Oh, that's Mark Collins even goes into the play, right? Oh, I was in this coverage and this and that, right? Collins is a great dude, man. He, yep. he interacts all the time, you know. So I got to ask you, you know, what was up with the pain week, man? I mean, you know, <laughs> what made you think of pain week where, you know, Jerry Foley walks around like, you know, with the noose around his neck watching your videos. <laughs> um, like, what the hell? I, I had people actually ask me, yo, why is he showing that? Like, it's not, you know, it's not the season. We didn't lose a tough game. And I'm like, you know what? Jerry just asked me, hey, let's get this guy on. So I'm going to ask him. All right. So here we are, Matt. Well, what made you come up with? Pain week and why are you doing this to Giant fans, dude? Yeah, um, this is this is I guess part of me being very open and happy to oblige any Giant fan who asks me for something. And a year ago, um, one of my followers, uh, Mark Zeno, when I, I was doing a you uh, know uh, request week, and people were sending in stuff, and people you know mostly it was all like you know positive memories, which is which is overwhelmingly what I try to show uh, whenever I'm doing the highlights. Um, a few people were asking for some of the things like I didn't want to see, like, you know, they wanted to see again, um, you know, Trey Junk, and I'm like, I don't want to watch that again, but mm. I went, I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll show it. And I actually tagged like, uh, Matt Bryant on that tweet. And I said, I'd rather like have bamboo shoots, put up my fingernails and watch this again, but here you go. <laughs> and, and, and Did Matt he, respond? Bryant, he responded, he said, you and me both with a, you know, so it was, it was funny, but, but, um, Mark Zeno asked me he goes hey he goes why don't you do a thing 
in one of the, you know, like the off season, it's just like all like, you know, just go through all like the horrible things. And at first it's like, I don't want to do that. But then, uh, but then, you know, kind of, he asked again about it and I was like, all right, in the off season, you know, he asked me sometime in the summer last year, I'm like, I'll do it in the off season, you know, and we'll get to it and see what happens. So finally we get through the, you know, get through the, this off season, OTAs are wrapping up, mini camp is wrapping up. And I'm like, all right, I, I you know, I told Mark I was going to do this. So fine. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's just do pain week. And then I decided to put the spin on it where I was like, all right, you know what we're going to do is I'm going to say that let's get all the bad karma out. If you want this stuff, fine, here we go. Like, you know, you can't kill me. I'm going to kill myself first here. And I'm going to show everything that we've done. Everything as a giant fans that we've lived through. That's horrible. And I first had the list of the usual suspects, you know, flipper, um, you know, the, the fumble, Deshaun Jackson, you know, that's the obvious stuff. But then as I started going through the list of games and you found a lot more plays, <laughs> yeah, I found a lot more like, you know, in the mid eighties, I was like 1985 was amazing. Like how many games I had forgotten, not I had forgotten, but yeah. when I went back and I watched the videos, I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, they blew that game to the, you know, the Packers in week two. Like how did they do that? <laughs> then they blew the game to the, the, you know, the Bengals when Phil Simms throws for 513 yards or whatever it was. And, yeah. and, you know, the, and you know, how did they lose this thing? And I started uncovering more and more and more. And as I was going, I was like, you know, what? if I'm going to do this, like, let's just, let's just go, let's just go for broke and just show all of it. Now I knew that, that I was like, I was like, well, I'm going to piss a bunch of people off doing this thing here, but I'll try to explain what's going on. And <laughs> what's amazing though is for giant fans is we in our franchise have seen the giants get the highest of highs, hmm. you know, when you are winning Super Bowls, knocking off undefeated teams but also we've seen our team do some horrible things, have some really bad losses that the losses actually cre create a lot of discussion and people talk about it and they remember the losses as much as in, in the wins in some cases. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this pain week, get it over with. It actually extended to two weeks and I could have kept going into like 2017 and beyond, but I decided to just save myself that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to just stop after the wild card game and say, all right, you know, for, for, for Joe Judge and the Giants here, I'm going to reset. Here's the last playoff game the Giants have been in. So here, I'm wiping all the stuff clean. Then you guys are going to take it the rest of the way. So that that's that's how Pain Week uh, and Pain Week Plus kind of started. Yeah, if it works, you're free to do it every year. If it doesn't, then uh, you're, that was it. But the one you showed where, like my my old man, my dad was was good at not cursing in front of me I, his whole life. I, I don't know how he did it because I'm terrible at it. But my dad, when the one you showed where Jim Jeffcoat caught the deflection from ed Tutal jones the second time yeah i was like which on one yeah. <laughs> i remember my dad looking at me i guess i was 12 years old 13 he looked at me as if for like a cry for help and the words that came out of his mouth like i was like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like that one for some reason stuck with me and when you showed it i just brought me back uh, I got to ask, dude, do you have any, like, because you're, you're a psychopath, and I mean that with all due respect and, and in a complimentary way, we're all crazy giant fans. Do you have, pre, do you have like, game day rituals that you do? Because if you're showing all this bad juju to get it out of the way, like, I'm thinking this is a guy who, he's got some game day rituals. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have had a lot. And and to be honest, the past few years, obviously nothing has worked because, like, you right. know, the, 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 for the Giants – you know, the season was over before, you know, by, by Columbus day, the season was done. Um, but I would normally get into a thing where, you know, I would wear the same combination of t-shirt yeah. underneath the Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I actually own a Jared Bunch jersey, so it's probably just me and Jared Bunch, the only two people that have those. So, um, you know, I like I, I I've put that on, you know, for you know for good luck at different times during the Super Bowl runs. I tend to always gravitate towards defensive players. Mm. You know, I've had I got a Banks jersey, an LT jersey back in the '80s. You know, I've had a Justin Tuck. Um, uh, I had I actually had a, a Lavar Arrington jersey. Um, you know, for for a bit also it was there. So I would basically pick a jersey. I would pick a T-shirt underneath, and sometimes it would be a one of the division championship T-shirts or whatever it is. So I, I would keep shifting those combinations until it would work. And like I said, as much as I loved the 1990 season, when they started 10-0, and 0, like I couldn't not do the same thing I was doing. So for, for two and a half months, whether it was whatever I was eating at this, you know, like before the game or what I was wearing, or if something was on my, in the, on the floor of my room, I'd be like, Oh, the giants are going to, if I move that, they're going to lose. So the superstitions kind of came, you know, kind of came about. So yeah, I, I have, um, yeah, I do have like these rituals. I'm trying to find one that, that works. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, for this year, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll probably come up with it sometime in, in August, right around the start of the first preseason game. I'll figure out something new to wear. And, and see where that goes. Nice. And, folks, you're listening to the Giant Insider podcast with Jerry Foley and Chris Bizignano. Our special guest, Matt, big blue VCR on Twitter, who's blowing it out of the water, man, the popularity with the players and the fans and everything. Matt, as you know, Eli's back at the organization. Okay. Um, and as usual, when Eli makes news, <clears throat> there's always a few. I like to call blowhards that I like to get on Twitter and act like they know the game. Now that is one clown from, I think he's from Dallas, some name, Misha Moshe, whatever the hell his stupid name is. And he decided he was going to try to be a football guy, you know? Um, And he, for some reason, Eli Manning lives rent free in this dude's head. Okay. And he's tweeting yesterday all day. I don't know if you saw it, Matt, about, Eli's overrated. He's out of top five. He doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. He's uh, basically just like Jim Plunkett. Which, listen, Matt, you know, I'm getting to a point, believe it or not, on this, Matt. Right? <laughs> but um, when you want to give you an opinion, you want to say a guy's overrated, listen, I'll listen to you. You know, uh, you know. but when you turn around and then say Eli's like a Jim Plunkett, when I saw Jim Plunkett back in the 70s and early 80s, you know, that's when I stop and I say, okay, you're a buffoon, you know. So Matt, I need a little favor, you know, from from you. Um, for the next few days, Eli used to throw over four thousand yards a lot. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, have forty nine hundred yards, Chevy. Right, forty nine hundred yards one season. Right, Eli, uh, I'm a pretty close. Deaf. Yeah, yeah, twenty eleven. I think he came close. Twenty eleven, he was close. Is he the high forty eight hundred, forty nine, whatever it was? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hey Matt, if you could dig up some of Eli's best games or one or you know some of his 300 yards i know you have in the past don't get me wrong but just to remind people you know and i show you i i saw the other day you, do, you showed a clip of him victor uh victor ran a nice little seam route here he got behind the deep i think it was against the Redskins. i think that was yeah. robert griffin's first time they faced the giants in 2012 yeah. you showed that clip the other day what stood out to me besides that comeback win was that oh my god we got to deal with robert griffin twice a year i remember that Obviously, it didn't pan out the way he wanted, you know. Um, but just show some more, Eli. Forget about the Manningham throw, you know, and all that stuff. But just some of his, you know, 300-yard, 380-yard days and 300. If you could dig it up, Matt, just to remind people 
you know, that, yo, this dude wasn't just some guy who threw for, you know, 180 yards a game. The defense won 17-6 every week. You know what I mean? Hey, Chris, by the way, you were right. 49-33, good call by you. It was 4,900, Jerry? Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's an unbelievable year, okay? And because there's a lot of people, they love to jump. For some reason, you know, because Eli's not controversial. He's not out there, you know, beating up women. He's not out there with an Uzi in the backseat of his car. So, you know, so people like to jump on Eli, you know, immediately. There's an anti-Eli out there, you know. And, and like I said, Matt, I understand people want to say, hey, he wasn't as good as the two Whatever they want to say, fine. But comparing him to guys like Plunkett was ridiculous. So if you don't mind, Matt, next few days, you know, when you have the time, if you have the time, if you could dig up some of Eli's, you know, really good games. And, you know, obviously I know you, you always put the yards in there. Hey, do 354 yards in this game and this and that. Just to remind people how much this guy did during his career, you know. Um, Matt. Eli, your favorite quarterback all time was it Sims? Who who'd you go with? You know, it, it, that's that that's a tough one because it's yeah, it's 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 him or Sims, and um, it's the type of thing that I could flip a coin between the two of them. To be honest, um, you know, with with Sims, by the time I was really kind of getting into the Giants there in the mid eighties, he had he had already kind of overcome. The injuries, you know, like I started watching sort of, you know, towards the uh, uh, after he was, you know, was benched in '83, you know, for Bruner and all that stuff. So I saw Sims when he kind of like turned the corner in '84. Yep. You know, he turns the corner in '84. He's the Pro Bowl MVP in '85. He wins the Super Bowl in '86. And by that point, like you know, so Sims is Sims is God. Like right. the stuff that led up to that, like he, you know, was was you know hurt and and struggled in the press. Eli, I saw obviously every single one of the games he played. Um, so I like, I, I for me for me it's it's really one and one a with 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 Sims and Eli, you know, you know for Eli, I he really was that like silent assassin where he's the type of guy that you get him in a big game, he you knew he was going to find a way to win. the The Giants' toughest problem was getting him into that big game and allowing him to do his thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I still remember what was it? I, I think it was Peyton Manning's you know it was a yearbook quote or whatever it was where he wrote on like Eli's yearbook, he wrote like, you know, look out world, Eli's better. And, you know, he put that. So, you know, for me, you know, like I said, is, is I couldn't go wrong with either one. Um, you know, that's not a very political answer right there for both, for both. But, you know, for me, Eli sends it, it really is one in one A. You know, Matt, it's funny you said that about Peyton, you know, I remember when Eli won in 07, obviously, you know, over New England. And I remember specifically Eli was in his locker and Peyton came over to him. His brother came over to him and he was talking to him like that. And, I think some reporter grabbed him. Hey, Peyton, you know, Eli's first, you know, unbelievable. I remember Peyton turned around, looked at the reporter and said, oh, he's going to win more than one. You know, and you, you know, Matt, it was a thing where you looked at him, the way he said it, Peyton, it wasn't just like, well, he's my brother, so I'm going to say something nice. Oh, yeah, he's going to win three, four, two, three. You know, like some guys do. He said it like yeah. he meant it. Like, like, don't think this is the last you're going to see my brother. He's going to win another one. You know what I mean? Um, which we all know he did. So, you know, obviously, look, I'm not going to sit here like a buffoon and say Eli was better than his brother Peyton. He wasn't. We know that, you know. But like you just said, Matt, get him in that big game. And there's not many guys you would take over Eli in a big game. Yeah. You know, I could yeah, maybe, it, obviously, you know, you got your Brady's. You know, I'm not going to say there's nobody. But there's not many that you would take in a big game, you know, than Eli Manning, you know? So that's why I laugh at some of these people on Twitter that, 
you know, they try to, you know, get these, I guess, clickbaits or whatever the crap, whatever the hell they do, you know. Um, and, you know, they start talking crap out of there, you know what, you know, and, and, but how much does that factor in? This is why he's going to the Hall of Fame, you know, and people could argue it all they want. Oh, you know, he doesn't have this. Uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. First of all, he has the numbers to go to the Hall of Fame, okay? Mm-hmm. And number two, he's got two Super Bowl MVPs and how clutch he was in big games. And Hall of Fame writers look at that. They look at that, Matt, you know? And that's why he's going to get in. I, I don't know if it's going to be first ballot, but he's going to get in. So so the, the anti-Eli people, you know, I, I guess, you know, you could find the tallest building and launch yourself off it <laughs> when he gets in Canton. You know, I don't know what to tell you, you know, but the fact is, Matt, I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but Eli's going to the Canton. Oh, I don't, I don't see any way he's not going to Canton. Right. Like I, said, I, I agree. I was like, he... He may not get in the first time around, but also I think what depends is depends who's up, who's up. And yeah. I said, is, is I think it actually works out for him because yes, Reeves and the rest way. of them are after <laughs> next year. So, so they say so. So there's there is that little gap. So I yeah. I do think that you know Eli awesome. will be the he- he'll be the headliner. So uh, or he'll be one of the headliners. So I I I I do see that happening. I do think that you know people Eli is weird that he's he's polarizing for a guy who's who it's it's. His pers- like you said, his persona when he played was he's a boring guy. He mm-hmm. would give you very vanilla answers. He would never throw his guys under the bus. You know, mm-hmm. like he 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 gave the right answers all the time. Like whether or not like and and you could tell sometimes maybe he felt differently, but he wouldn't give anybody anything to go off of. Um, but now you even see like the stuff he's doing. You know, like that that he's rejoined the Giants where he he was sitting with Sean O'Hara and these sound like dad jokes. Like, you know, I've heard from people who, who, you know, have, you know, been players and play with the Giants. So like, you know, Eli's had an, has a, has an amazing sense of humor. Like, you know, he's funny and he, he would do all these pranks and these different guys and said yeah. like, you know, he was taking their, you know, he'd take your phone to take a picture and he'd switch the language to, to, to Chinese or whatever. It's like, he would, yeah. he would do like all these little, like, you know, things that I think that a lot of the people who don't know of him and know the real story behind him mm-hmm. they don't see so they didn't see a personality behind him. they just saw a lot of people even though he beat brady twice they see peyton's little brother and they see a guy and it's funny that if you go back and you look terry bradshaw to this day doesn't like john elway because he didn't like the way elway handled the draft back in in 83 when he didn't want to go to the yeah. Colts yep. and, you know, basically kind of forced his way to the, to the eventually to the Broncos. Cause he was going to like, there's, there's the, if you ever got a chance to watch the documentary, uh, the ESPN 30 for 30 yeah, or the 83 draft yeah. and, and how they showed that like, you know, he was going to potentially play for the Yankees. Like right. you know, he was going to be the Yankees oh, right yeah. fielder. Yeah, like they had it all, yep. they, they had it all set, but Bradshaw didn't like that. Eli with the stuff that went on in San Diego, mm-hmm. I think there's a group of people that still did not like the way that was handled. Oh, no question. And and held it and held it against him. And some of them still do. And I think that part factors into it. I think the other part is like, oh, he's a New York quarterback. You know, that always has that part where people don't like. And as far as like, you know, this guy, I know, I know what you're talking about who, you know, he said this stuff about about Manning. Invariably, it usually is somebody in the media who just is trying to start something, whether they're from Dallas or from Philly. And I think it kills them that Eli himself has won more Super Bowls than their franchises have in the last thirty years mm-hmm. for both yeah. of those teams. So I think I think that's that's what's that's what's killing them. They and they just they just will pile on Eli. See, I, I think with with Philly, it's the you know the 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 Eagles' record was so good against against the Giants, even over Eli's career, that I can't. I think they can't believe that he won it twice because when. 
you know, invariably horrible things happen when the Giants play the Eagles. Somehow they come out on top, blah, blah, blah. But Dallas fans have a real issue with Eli, and I think it stems from the jealousy with Tony Romo. I think Tony Romo at times was spectacular and a fun quarterback to watch, but he couldn't stay healthy a lot of times. He had the collarbone issues. And be honest, you know, he didn't win a big game, right? He, he won a playoff game, I believe, against Philly. And look, if Des, Des Bryant's probably caught that ball, they, they may have won that game. But the Dallas fan has a huge issue with Eli, and I think it's the comparison to Tony Romo. And it, it, it eats at them. I, I know a ton of Dallas fans who <laughs> always talk about Tony Romo was better, blah, blah, blah. Well, there you go. Two rings and all the yardage, and, and he stayed healthy for so long. Uh, what I was going to say, Matt, is one thing you put out there a lot, and it is, it is something that is a lost art now, the pregame intros, um, especially from the 80s, man. I mm-hmm. watched some of those. Dude, I get tears in my eyes. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like the, the, the New York Giants glory years are a distant memory. That one, the pre-Redskins, I got chills now, man. That is the best intro um, I, they did a lot of that in 86. They did some in 90. Um, other, I mean, I guess a couple things. One, obviously you think the NFL should get back to that and, and actually try and do a pre, pre an intro that, you know, is, is well put together, but also are there any that you can think of off the top of your head that you, you haven't put out there yet or that you don't have that you, you know, you know, you kind of remember from back in the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, um, I love showing those things. That's the that's the CBS intro with the yeah. with the uh, the Summerall voiceover oh, and and that music yeah. that, that and I, I had to look it up. The music that plays before it that you know dun 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 yeah. dun that's, yeah. that, that music it's called Pots and Pans. Yep. Like, that's it. So when I say like here's the Pots and Pans intro, people are like what is this guy talking about? Like that, that's yeah. that's actually what it's called. It I, was, learned, I learned that from your Twitter account, yeah. by the way. I'm <laughs> nodding, but it's because you put it out. Yeah, there. I had no idea either. That's why I saw it on his Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing got you like just in the mindset for a game that intro like it, it just felt like okay like this is it like you know r- you know r- raring to go and the and the 80s whether it was even like the monday night football intros yeah it really felt like it was getting you ready to watch a game like it was an event it was an event and, and yeah. it, it it basically set the tone for what you were going to watch and yeah. knowing that like you know at the time the giants were you know one of the top that that made it even better but yeah, it, it's it is a lost art. I don't know what it is that uh, you know. I guess I guess Sunday Night Football on NBC they they sort of have it you know a little bit, but it it, it pales in comparison to what was the old CBS intros. The last good one that I remember was Resiliency, and that was before the Super Bowl when the Giants yeah. talked about resiliency. That one's awesome, but that's yeah. like the last one I can think of. Yeah, none none of the others. I mean. Even even the two thousand uh, um, the the NFC Championship, like I mean, I have that beginning, but there was nothing ex- like exciting about it. Just yeah. the the way, and again, it was and and usually I will go to the uh, the Summerall ones, and yeah. I've showed I showed yeah. these a few times, and I, I show them all the time because I, I I love it so much, and I know that 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 um, and Jerry, I think you've talked about it too um, on these. You know, before the '85 wild card game. Oh, glory days! You know, the glory days when they showed that we have like you know Sims and just the music that they're playing. Oh. Um, you even played. Of, the, you yeah. even played the clip of the game that Sims is doing the clapping. Yep. And I think it was '84 from '84. Or maybe yeah, it was '84. Yeah, I think it's the '84 uh, Buccaneers. I think. Yes. When it, yes. Yeah. I was yep. like, I always wonder, like, what game was that that he's doing that? So. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that one before the the showdown at RFK. In '86, yeah. when they're like, you know, when Summerall's like, you know, these are, you know, tickets are impossible to come by, yeah. and it kind of sets that whole stage what's going on, and then obviously the '86 NFC Championship game, 
when it shows and and I, and I think I think Jerry, you've actually kind of quoted it also like when I, when I've shown it where summer will be like uh, you know they got to face their season long tormentors the Giants you know yeah, when they're yeah. talking about the Redskins like you know beating already them beating them twice and have wreaked havoc on their game, game plans yeah like I I I love that I'm, an, and, I'm and, a nerd dude I memorize yeah. that crap yeah. I, I love that stuff and 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 sometimes I feel bad where I'm like. I know I've posted this before. I, I, you know, there's a bunch of new followers who haven't maybe seen this before, but yeah. even if I show it again, like the, no giant fan, even no. if I show it like 15 times, will complain. They'll no like, that thing's great. That. I love that. Like, oh, and, yeah, and it is, it's, it's, that. I really wish the NFL would get back to it. And the other thing that's even an offshoot of that, that I would love to get back to being a season ticket holder is I really wish they would go back to the pregame introductions. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's one thing that like, yes, the whole team comes out and I think it was the, I think it was the Patriots in 2000, 2001, whatever it was that they were one of the first teams that the whole team came out Yeah, and it gave the team feel and I got it back then, but now it misses when you're announcing the player names coming out and everyone getting excited yeah. about that. Like I've, I, I don't know if this is something that's sort of decreed by the NFL that they're now saying like, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it's become almost homogenized the way the, the in game, you know, the in stadium experiences where we're like, we're going to be the same across the board. Yeah, I really wish the giants, if they're listening, would find a way, even during the preseason, just do something where introduce, pick the offensive side, the defense. It doesn't just pick one the way the giants did it, I guess, back in the eighties. And, and that, that was the thing in the playoffs. I remember that right before the Redskins game going, I wonder who they're going to introduce. Yeah, and when they started doing the offense, I you know maybe as a kid I was a little disappointed I wasn't going to yeah. hear Taylor Banks Carson, but my dad goes, "Sure, they scored forty nine points last week, and that's why they you know they they played so well." I mean, both sides of the ball played well against the Niners, but it was uh, you know they they introduced the offense yeah. that week. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 wish, I wish they would get back to it. Yeah, hey, Matt, just a quick a funny story about that um, little tidbit. You could ask the people in your family in the seventies, they used to introduce offense or defense, right? The, the offense was so bad. They used to introduce the defense every home game. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. They I believe it. Because the few times they actually did the offense, and they had Craig Morton run out of the tunnel, mm-hmm. it, you heard nothing but boo. The whole, <laughs> so they stopped it. They're like, well, we can't have this booing going on before a game. And they just introduced the defense every every week, every home game. I'm telling you, I remember as a kid. That's great. And I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to introduce the offense again after they did their usual, you know, six points, you know, and lost nine six, something like that, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember that. That that is that is. That's interesting, Chris. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Jerry. Yeah, yeah they, they used to do. Tough. They used to switch it, Jerry, and then mm. the offense was so bad and the boom was so loud and the viciousness that they just. I guess they just decided, you know what, do the defense. You know. Oh my you god, know, that's so know? funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Matt, look, I gotta be honest with you, dude. Um, I love what you do, man. Um, and when I hear your summer old Madden clips, you know, your clips with summer old Madden doing a game, it brings you back, you know, years ago, especially when I was a little kid. And, and, you know, I, I, I know it's amazing, Matt, just to listen, listen to John Madden gush about Lawrence Taylor. When you hit up Lawrence Taylor's rookie clips and you listen to Madden, speak about and you could just hear it well someone always had that hidden excitement because he was a giant you know he was always a giant yeah. guy you know but just to listen to madden gush about lawrence back in 81 and the excitement and just hear him say you can't block this guy or something like, like this guy is unblockable out there you know or and someone coming in lawrence taylor again you know with that voice i tell you what man it brings back uh 
me, man, we were all young. You know, I remember Lawrence when he started, you know, obviously, and, and it's it's great stuff, Matt. You know, I'm sure people in your family that are my age or older, like they appreciate it too. Just to listen to those old summer old Madden, man, days was something I really miss, Matt. You know, I really do. And and it's great stuff, man. I hope you keep it coming, which I'm sure you will. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the both of them, I said, like, they were, they first teamed up, I think, in 81, actually. Um, you know, that's, that's when they first got together. Was it 81? Okay. I think, I think it was 81 is when they, is when the, the, the two of them first started working together. Um, 80, 81, um, right. I think it was 81. Um, and again, that's when LT came in and yeah, like I, I, I love finding the clips from his rookie year in 81 and, right. and Madden's talking about him and, and, and I really wish I had more than two minutes and 19 seconds on Twitter to show this stuff. I have to like really kind of tweak the yeah. edit to make it, to make it fit in to show what I want to show. And even his first game against the Eagles, the Giants lost that one, but he went there. And there was a play where I think Wilbert Montgomery like ran around outside of him. And he got he got the edge on LT. And then the net, then they tried to run that same play again. And LT played it better and basically took him down. And Madden made a comment like they got him once, but you can tell that like they're not gonna get him again. And watching him, <laughs> I don't know how many people are ever gonna get around this guy. And that's his first game that he's playing. And and Madden is seeing that and talking about it. There's a clip that I showed. A while back, I think it was it was at RFK in '82 or '83, where in back-to-back plays, and and LT was from I think the Virginia area, and he talked about the fact that he loved to do things against the Redskins because he knew his father was a big Redskin fan, so he loved it to sort of stick it to them, just extra special. <laughs> On one play, he runs over Joe Jacoby, the tackle, mm-hmm. and he sacks Theismann, and he grabs Th- Theismann trying to run away, and he grabs Theismann with one arm and pulls him down. Mm-hmm. And Madden's talking about it. He goes, like, holy cow, like, look how, like, he goes, look at the power in this guy that he's able to do that. He goes, he takes a 300-pound guy and throws him aside and then, then sacks Theismann. The very next play, they put Russ Grimm on LT. Russ Grimm's a Hall of Fame guard. Yeah. Yeah. He runs over Russ Grimm <laughs> and, and sacks Theismann the very next play. And Madden said, he goes, if you don't think Lawrence Taylor is a great player, just look at what happened here. He goes, he just took two of the best offensive linemen in the NFL – and ran over both of them. And, you know, at the time when the Redskins were the defend, I think it was 83, they said, like, they're the defending champions. Like, they were the Hogs offensive line. He was torturing them. Hmm. They, didn't, they didn't have an answer for what was going on. And, and Madden made the comment a few times that he said he never thought a defensive player could win a game by himself hmm. until he saw Lawrence Taylor do it. Yeah. And he would say that even, like, to, to, towards the end of Madden's career, as he was getting, when he, you know, he finished up on NBC, he would talk about that with different defensive players. And then he'd be like, yeah, he goes, he's like, that guy's no Lawrence Taylor. Like, you know, I saw Lawrence Taylor do Absolutely. this. So he was always bringing it back to that. And that, you know, and, My, and, yeah. and mind you, Matt, you know, I, I saw the 70 80s teams. Madden had some really good defensive players. He coached some yep. unbelievable defensive players in the seventies. So, and he just, you could just tell, man, that rookie year, Mad was just like beside himself with this guy. It was just so exciting to listen to Mad's voice talking about Lawrence, you know? Yeah, yeah Matt, you, you put out there, uh, I didn't realize this in that Saints game that he chased Mays or the running backs down three times in that game. I, I remember the, the one play where he does it, it's iconic, where he chases him behind the line, he's not supposed to get him, gets up and gives him the, you know, the pistol. Yep. He did it two other times in that game, and, and you kind of reminded me of that. You yeah. reminded me of that. I never, I don't remember that. I didn't remember that either, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he kept crashing down the line, and Jim Moore, for some reason, wasn't doing it. And, and, and you know, like Dan Deardorff was the, was the announcer, and he's like, he goes, you cannot keep trying to run away from Lawrence Taylor. He's just going to chase everything down. Yeah, and he did it 
that that one the Ruben Mays play, which everyone sees, yeah, that was the third of the three times he did it. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So yeah, he 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 chased down um, I think Dalton Hilliard on one, hmm. and then um, the, their their fullback I forget his name on the second one, and then then Mays was the third, and yeah, the, and th- and that's why the saying was, and it, you, you know, Chris, you mentioned Banks before, like you know, run at Lawrence Taylor because he's either going to chase it down, but if you're not if you're running away from Lawrence Taylor, not only is he going to chase it down, you got to run at Banks, yeah. and it was almost impossible. That's why the, that's why the thought was run at LT to try to at least tire him out, and. And and I'll show a clip coming up at some point where the famous game when he hurt his shoulder against the Saints mm-hmm. in '88. Yeah. Um. On they the Saints had a third and one late in the game. They gave the ball to Hilliard and ran right at LT. And LT with one shoulder basically took Hobie Brenner, the tight end who was on him, was a pretty good player. Yeah, he was a good player. Shoved him into the back backfield, stuffed Hilliard where Kennard came and cleaned up. Yeah. Forced the punt, which then allowed Rutledge to get down the field, throw yeah. a pass to Baker, and then um, they kicked the field goal to win it. Yeah. But that was LT basically on one shoulder, just all guts playing the run when they're running right at him. Like so, that yeah. that that was just that's just who he was. Real quick, Matt, you, you mentioned Banks. Um, I, I have a buddy who worked with Tony Dorsett, and he said, "Yeah, I, I ran away from. I, I didn't. I didn't want to run away from Taylor because he was such a great athlete, but I was also." concerned about banks because he just hit the hell out of you he was such a good linebacker so tony one of the all-time greats saying it so yep, yeah yeah to your point and, and then the thing to back to your thing for for banks's interceptions um <laughs> you know he yeah he, he had i think he had two actually it would come down he had, Patriots he had the, too, right yeah he, he had the he had the pick yeah. six against the falcons in 88 which won which basically won the game and then he had the game against the patriots in 87 which was the first game i ever went to in my seats so i saw it firsthand <laughs> and that's the only game that banks and lt both had an interception in the same game because lt was that the first sunday night football too that was the first sunday night football I, game again dude i'm repeating yep. what i think i saw on your account so yep. it's not like i'm like oh yeah that was the first like you know just yep, yep, i think that, you that, pointed that, it out so that was it but what's funny is, is you mentioned before about the, the players sort of interacting there's a really cool thing and 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 banks has been great you know tiki um even the raul Allegri also that but I showed an interception in the preseason. Like I like you talk about being a, a buffoon, Jerry. Like I, I got preseason games that that I'll go back and, and watch it because I love the old preseason games in the eighties, which were on like Channel Eleven with Bobby Duhan and Sam yeah. Rosen. Games you know, on midnight. games on midnight, yeah. the full game. Because yeah, I sure. used to, yeah. Because when you know, like uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would I would go to those games, especially you know the summer in the eighties and stuff. You know, after eighty seven, come home and watch it. Come home and watch I it. And so, yeah. oh, is, is, is that what happened? Um, well, one play may have been Carson got a pick or somebody. And as the sort of the convoy is going in front of Carson running up the field, Banks is running the other direction off screen, like heading the other way. And, you know, Carl Banks went on the, the Twitter and, and he responded. He goes, he's like, does anybody know why I did that? I was doing that on purpose. And he asked somebody and he goes, the answer is, and this is who Belichick was as a, just a detail-oriented coach. He said, Belichick said that the majority of tackles on interceptions are made by the receiver who was the ball was intended for. Oh, okay. And everybody basically then runs up the field and start blocking offensive linemen and stuff, but nobody accounts for the wide receiver or the receiver who's trying to get the ball. Wow. So Belichick basically designates somebody along the way that you got to go back and hunt out the person who's trying to catch the ball to make sure they don't come from behind and tackle you from behind. So he was running up the field. He used that as like a teachable moment. Said like, "Look, that's why I did it." And he goes, "That that that's the thing." And, and you see that in action. Um, 
when I showed the the Lambooth special, you know that mm. horror play, which mm-hmm. was like just you know tearing your heart out. Um, so close. Tiki, Tiki Barber went and gave a breakdown of that play, and he said in one of the things, if you watch, um, I forget the name of the linebacker on the on the uh, on the Eagles. Right before the snap, he drops out of the frame. He drops back into coverage. And what Tiki said was that screwed up the timing because he dropped right to where Tiki was going to be and set everything up for where Dixon was going to be to take the lateral and go around. Because usually on like those those last play Hail Marys, you know, it's usually just like, you know, like a big bend, just chuck it up. Or you get a Cal Stanford thing where there's a thousand laterals and hopefully somebody scores the bands on the field, Um, you know, but that play was so unbelievably well scripted the way they kind of sealed everything off. They had all the wide receivers on the outside. What Tiki said was if that linebacker didn't drop where he was going to be, that threw the timing off by a half a beat. And if he wasn't there, he said the the giants would have scored and Mm. that threw them off just right before enough. And Tiki said he cut his, his route just a little bit short and that cut off a little bit from what Dixon was trying to do. So if that, Damn guy, and the Eagles didn't move back. The Lambooth special may have actually worked because more more hit him, more caught him, right? More caught him at the four, yeah. and that that threw that that threw off the whole. And block you saw Jerevish's blocking downfield. I was, I'm, oh my god, that was so yep. close. Yeah, yep. e- yep. Eagles would have scored on that, by the way. Oh, oh, oh I have no <laughs> doubt. Like I said, is is you know, I I was there for Deshaun. You know, my my again, I said my seats are lower level end zone, and so I see returns when they open up, and. Yeah and I even mentioned it in pain week. I was like, I knew Deshaun was going to score before he did because I saw the, like the seized part. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, and I knew exactly what was going to happen when he went. I don't want to talk about that game anymore, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, so yeah, I, I, I watched it happen, but uh, again, and, and you mentioned Mark Collins, Mark Collins also, he goes back in and he describes a lot of the oh, different yeah, he plays that, that happen. He's, yeah. he's great. And, and the funny story he told us again, I showed a preseason clip with him where as a rookie, he returned a kickoff for a touchdown yeah. against the jets. And Collins made a comment that, like, before the draft in 86, the Jets general manager, who he met with, said to him, you're not Jet material, so we're going to pass on you. Thanks, but, Jets. Yeah, thanks, Jets. You know, you're good well, enough to be that, Giants that, material. That about sums up the Jets right about there, <laughs> Evan Roberts, if you're listening. Uh, all right. Well, listen, Matt, I don't know about you, Jerry, but I thought this was a blast, you know. Um, yeah. Um, um, I want to thank you a lot, brother, for coming on. Um, I think the people are going to really enjoy it, man. Uh, listening to you and everything you do, I think it's great what you do. Don't ever stop it. The players love it. The fans love it. And you keep them coming, brother. And uh, maybe we'll talk again soon. Yeah, yeah, man. I was going to say a lot of the stuff you put up brings back a lot of awesome memories. <laughs> does, and yeah. giant fans, <laughs> we always say this: it's you know, it's passed down from your parents, from your father usually, and your grandfather. And I see those clips, dude. You bring me back to the 80s yeah. in Trenton, New Jersey, watching the games with my dad. So thank you, buddy. Like he's joking around saying you're doing God's work. But in all seriousness, you are providing – you are one of the positives of Twitter. And that's a compliment because Twitter, it can be accessible. So thank you, man. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. For me, it's, it's – like I said, it's, it's, it's a, just a passion project. It's something that I enjoy doing and the fact that, like, others enjoy it as well. You know, the reception I've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive, really, and from fans back and forth. Um, you know, I, I know I know secretly for myself, I'm hoping because I, I know some of the, the Giants organization watches the stuff I put and oh, follow I watch it. Yep. I, I'm, I'm really hoping I'm like, you know what? 
If I show this weird like flea flicker play or whatever it is, yeah. maybe it gets back to judge like, hey, they haven't run this thing in 35 years. There's, it's not going to be on anybody's tapes. Right. Let's tweak it and find a way. <laughs> you know, let's get let's get a variation of this in the game somewhere. So I'm hoping I can at least inspire some way. You know, like oh. like a way to get a score for the Giants uh, this year. And and for me, then then I'll feel like my job is done. Well, Matt, if you go to training camp at all, give me a yell. All right, throw me a direct message. Come on over. You know, I like to meet you in person, anything like that. You know, I don't know if you go to camp at all, but um, obviously, I'm sure you know. But now the fans are all allowed back at the facility this year. If you go down there and congratulations, you know, give me a yell, Matt. If you come down, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I plan and, a bit. I usually, I usually go on uh, on one of the Fridays. I mean, I'm not sure if they're doing okay. the same thing this year when you got to sign so up to get in, but I'll throw, be there. Throw me a DM. Let me know the day you're going to be there, okay? And especially now you know what I look like, you, you'll spot me <laughs> me on the side. Um, I'm usually the one on the sideline thinking I'm the coach too. You'll see me on the sideline, like. Like, you know, like, what are you doing here? You're like, oh, why don't we draw on this up, Joe? You know, nah, I'm looking. So I, I don't do it anymore. But anyway, <laughs> give me a yell, Matt. And listen, congratulations on, I don't know if it's your son or daughter's graduation. Is he your daughter? My, my, my uh, graduated, it was, it was pouring right before, but literally as soon as the ceremony started, it's, staying. Oh, good you know, you. so so that worked out really well. Um, and yeah, like, to the, like, he, he's all. John to the next. Nice. Well, congratulations, brother. Nice talking to you. All right, guys. To order a subscription to the Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com. Go to magster.com for a digital subscription. That's M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. And download the Giant Insider app from the App Store. Remember, guys, Sundays are Giant Days. Take care, everybody.